right day 284 welcome back to the windows and mirrors podcast my name is keith and remember this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the bible is more like a window than it is a mirror we come to it to see through it and to see god not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves all right so today we're in uh still in the book of romans and today we are swimming in the deep end of the theological pool and the best way to look at this section <clears throat> romans 9 through 12 particularly romans 9 through 11 is to look at it as answering specific questions, right? What are those questions? Has God failed to keep his promises to Israel? That's number one. Number two, what is the role of ethnic Israel in this gospel movement uh, of the gospel going to the Gentiles? Number three, how is God sovereign and in control of the salvation of his people? In the grand scheme of the letter, Paul is saying, listen, we become the righteousness of God by faith, but one has to back up and ask in God doing that, is God really righteous himself? And Paul comes to this section and gives a phenomenal answer. So Romans 9 starts off and Paul switches his whole tone. Uh, remember the high he left off in, in uh, Romans chapter 8. So he starts off this section and says, I have great sorrow <laughs> and unceasing anguish in my heart <laughs> for I could wish that I myself were cut, were cursed and cut off from Christ." Uh, for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. In other words, Paul is saying he cares deeply about the salvation of his kinsmen according to the flesh. And uh, he is in anguish. Why? Because Israel had largely, by and large, rejected Jesus, their Jewish Messiah. Right. And remember the Gospels. You, you see, this is clear. Remember the book of Acts. Remember all of Paul's missionary journeys where Israel was like, we ain't going for none of this Jesus stuff. bro." And you know what Paul says? He says, bro, no, no, like, I wish I was cut off from Christ, right? If it could somehow save my people. Paul is different. I ain't even going to cap. That's why I'm not in the Bible, because I don't think I would say something like that. And saying this, he alludes back to the Exodus, right, where Moses goes before God after the cats had went and worshipped the golden calf, right, right after they had been uh, liberated from Egypt. And Moses, after cats was wild, and was like, God, if you don't want to forgive them, this is, this is so astounding. He says, he says, erase me from your book, too. If they can't come with me, just send me out, too incredible incredible solidarity with his people and paul is on the same wave here he said no, no no like i wish i would give up my own salvation fam for the salvation of my people that's deep that's deep that's different that's different and this is exactly what christ does for us right except that christ will be with us as well right but he circles back and says listen don't get it twisted as if the promises of God, fam, that he made to Israel about their national restoration, about the Gentiles coming in and submitting to them, about how they would rule and reign from Zion under, under a Davidic king, all this good stuff in their own land, all this good stuff. Um, don't get it twisted as if the word of God has failed, right? Why? Because everybody, he says, everybody that's skin folk ain't really kin folk. You dig what I'm saying? Everybody, all Israel is not really Israel. All Abraham's descendants by birth are not his children. And so he's so smooth with it, fam. Paul argues so well. Because he's like, you know what? He's like, yo, I'm going to go back to Genesis for you to prove what I'm talking about. In fact, I'm going to actually go back to the patriarchs themselves, right? Isaac was chosen. Abraham was chosen. Isaac was chosen. Ishmael, or excuse me, Isaac was chosen, not Ishmael. Jacob was chosen, not Esau, right? Uh, and he's like, in other words, it's always been this way with God. It's always, he's always chosen folks according to promise and election, not according to physical descent. He says, I don't know about you, but it, it shows, he sh I'm trying to show you that um, your spiritual background is not contingent upon your race, color, or ethnicity. It's, it's, it's contingent upon God's promise, right? God's grace can reach you, is what Paul is trying to tell us. And we ask from a human perspective, how could God choose? How could God choose one and not the other? 
Why would God choose some and not others? A better question is, though, I think I think God has to ask us a better question. Why would God choose any at all, especially when he didn't have to? Right. And he, he will go on to say that some of the chosen right includes Gentiles as well. He appeals to texts like Hosea. Right. And and, and, and when he when he when he goes there, <clears throat> he's trying to show the, the the power and the particularity of God's grace. Right. And he quotes Isaiah in this text, too. He's like, even in Isaiah's day, fam. All of Israel wasn't saved or spared or brought back from the exile, right? Only a remnant, right? So in other words, the whole point of him bringing this whole chapter up, he's saying God is actually being, cons he's not, God is not betraying his character. He's actually being consistent with his character. He's always done the same thing. And this is a reason to trust him in the present moment. Romans chapter 10, Paul is still going. He, 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 will, he won't uh, come up for a breath. In chapter 10, he's like, no, no, wait, listen, there's more. At the end of nine, he's like, he, he speaks in a way that this ain't on God. This is actually on them. This is actually on Israel. It ain't on God. God is being faithful. He's doing what he's always done, right? It's his people that move, not him. Um, He says, he says they have rejected the stone, <laughs> the stone that has become the cornerstone. Shout out to cornerstone. Uh, He says the stone that has, that has become the cornerstone. He says, he says, uh, Paul is like, no, no, like they tried to establish their own righteousness right they try to establish their righteousness by torah observance by observing the first five books of moses at the expense of the messiah that's paul's problem and, and, what, and what paul is sitting at he's like no no like in trying to keep the torah they actually missed the point of the torah <laughs> don't mess with paul he's like he's like no, no no they try they try to keep the torah and they actually miss the point of it and, and it's so funny because it's, even though it's not a one-to-one -one, let me be clear about that even though Jews in the Second Temple period, in this period that Paul is writing, were specifically turning down Messiah for Torah, it is it is something similar to say we can miss God for the Bible. <laughs> we can miss God for the Bible, right? And and he and he says this because we, we have to understand the point of it. He says, For Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone who believes the word he uses there for 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 end for christ is the end of law not meaning that we don't uh we, we should take the first five books out of the bible out of our canon but he's saying that christ uh is the end in the sense of um he's the telos right that's the word in greek he's the he's the goal of the law kind of like we say um we drive when we drive driving is a means to a end it is meant to get us to a destination it is meant us to get us to a specific goal in other words what paul is saying the law was a means to this goal to this end and that end is christ it was meant to get us to christ remember galatians chapter 3 schoolmaster until we were well mature and we could receive christ and he moves further and we would say don't think you got to go up to heaven don't think you got to go up to heaven or go down to the abyss to get this righteousness either. You don't have to pridefully think you can storm the gates of heaven and just go attain the promises of God like they tried to in Genesis chapter 11. Or neither do you have to go down to the grave through the pains of death to get these promises. But someone has done that for you. <laughs> His name is Jesus, ha, uh, 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 Yeshua HaMashiach, right? It, it is Yesu Christu. It is, it is Jesus Christ who has come down from heaven himself and gone down into the grave. <clears throat> And back up again to the Father's right hand as the Lord of the universe. And he's going to quote the scriptures again to make his point. <coughs> he says, no, no, um, Deuteronomy 30 was saying this all along. <laughs> like, like this was just the shadow of the of the true reality that has actually come. He's like, you, you ain't even got to do all that. The message is closer to you than you think. It is in your mouth and in your heart. What you mean, Paul? He says, in other words, just confess with your, confess with your mouth and your heart and you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he raised christ from the dead and you will be saved 
right? You'll be saved. And he's saying this is for the Jew and for the Greek. This is for everybody, right? And the irony is Paul is going to say that Israel heard this message for centuries and they actually rejected when it came to its fulfillment. So he's saying the problem is not with God. The problem is with those who were supposed to be his people. One hears all of that. It says, Dad, Paul, you make it seem like God has still, though, rejected his people. And he's like, absolutely not. I, have I not been speaking among you all this time? I am exhibit A that he has not uh, abandoned his people. And he would say, man, just like God has always done. He said he's showing the consistency of his character. Just as God has always done, he has now left a remnant of folks by grace. And again, he appeals to scripture. He says, remember Elijah. You remember Eli. Eli was different, right? He, he was different. He was zealous for God. And after his showdown with Ahab and how he appealed <clears throat> to, 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 to God after that, depressed, saying, everybody has turned from you, God, but me. And God is like, no, no, no. I've left 7,000 folks who ain't bowed down to Baal. He says, there's a remnant chosen and kept today by God's grace. <clears throat> I want to just encourage people today because sometimes I felt this myself. Um, when you can look out into the world and just say, oh, man, like people are just falling away from the Lord in flocks and in droves and that and that that may even even be true right but what God is saying is that in all places in all times I will always leave a remnant for myself and so in other words there is a lot of light that we cannot see right in this dark and cloudy world um, there's a lot of light all the light that we can't see right there are some people uh, even if you don't know who they are who are still faithfully walking with the Lord and that truth just always brings me comfort I asked then Paul says have they stumbled so, so as to fall? Absolutely not. On the contrary, by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous or zealous. Same word in Greek. Now, if their transgression brings riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more would the, their fullness bring? Paul's going to go in. Now, what Paul is saying, in other words, he's expounding the riches of divine wisdom. He's saying, no, no, God used the Jews, as my professor used to say. God used the Jews to save the Gentiles. And then, guess what he's going to do? He's going to use the Gentiles to save the Jews. Right. So, so so the 12 apostles were all Jews. That's not that's not a secret. They ended up going to the Gentiles. The Gentiles come in, according to Paul, and they are going to make Israel zealous is how I would interpret this so that Israel can actually come back. Now, he goes further, though. He will go on to talk about these olive branches and say that, yo, Israel was broken off so that you could be grafted in. Right. Um, you, Gentiles should be grafted in. And if you pay careful attention to what he says in chapter 11. You can catch it. He said, if he did not spare, <laughs> if he did not spare the natural branches. Very interesting. Why would he say that? Well, the, the language and the word he uses in the original language is the same word he used in Romans 8.32 for Jesus. When he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us all things? He says, no, no, no. Like God did not spare his own son and he didn't spare his son for the purpose of. It was so that the Gentiles could be saved, right? This is Galatians chapter 3. And the purpose of God not sparing Christ was so the Gentiles could not be saved. Um, but 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 he's going to say that the same thing is, is true for Israel. So in other words, Israel, just like Jesus, suffers suffers vicariously for the benefit of the world. This is what he gets at in 15. He says, For if in or if their rejection brings reconciliation to the world, talking about the Gentiles, what would their acceptance mean but life from the dead? So so good. He is still interpreting the fate and, and the narrative in the life of Israel Christocentrically. He is interpreting, interpreting it through the lens of the Messiah, right? 
through the lens of the death and resurrection of Christ. He's saying, in other words, <clears throat> if they accept it, right, the rejection, right, in the same way that Christ was raised from the dead, figuratively speaking, uh, Israel will be raised from the dead. Israel is dead in a sense. They're not responding to God. And he's saying, I can bring them back to life just as I did their Messiah, Jesus. And what will that do but show the riches of God's glory and wisdom? He says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you would not be conceited. A partial hardening has come upon Israel. Guess what? Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. He would say, no, no. At the end of the day, God raises the dead, bro. Like God raises the dead. All Israel will be saved. And again, all Israel ain't Israel. So this is the the, the, the Israelites of promise, right? Um, but this is only after all of the fullness of the Gentiles will come in. And it's so much. And after this, me, you, and Paul, all we could do is worship, right? He says, oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has, uh, who has been his counselor? And who has ever given to God that he should be repaid for from him? And through him, I love this, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. For Paul, the goal of theology is doxology. The goal of redemption is worship. All things, according to Paul, come from God. All things should be seen through God, or in other words, in relation to God. And will one day, all things will one day go back to God. I love it. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Mic drop. Like, there's, there's nothing else you could say <laughs> after that. But he does keep going. Romans chapter 12. In light of all that, he says, how should we then live, right? How should we as Christians live in light of the great mercies of God? Notice how he sums up everything in view of the mercies of God. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, everything that I describe can be described as God being merciful. I urge you to present your bodies. Hmm as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern hmm, what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Very powerful, so much in those first few verses. And he goes on to talk about how uh, we should live in light of the goodness of the gospel. But I think one thing that, that actually stood out to me this time is that Paul talks about our bodies, but he also talks about our minds, right? And that God, wants us to present our whole lives to Jesus, right? As living sacrifices, because he was a sacrifice for us. And this includes us doing very physical, tangible things, which he's going to lay out in chapter 12 with our bodies. And this means protecting our minds from conformity to a world that does not uh, want the true and living God. And in that same mind being transformed, by our mind being renewed, right? The thing that Paul wants us to know is that all of us should be given to God, right? Every single fiber of our being, minds, bodies, hearts, and souls should be given to God. And it should be uh, with love, right? Um, and I love how he ends chapter 12. He says, don't be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. We are to be those who love the good God uh, who's loved us first and to pursue the good in our everyday lives. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would give us the grace to live in the way you've called us to live. Lord, I pray that the gospel for us wouldn't stop at conversion, but it would be uh, the starting point. Uh, 
conversion, which is a big starting point for a lot.